Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining the Great Dynamics Podcast. My name is Ahmed Hassan. And as always, we have a very interesting guest today with me. It's Mac. Mac is a, a veteran of the British military and a former intelligence officer. And right now, he is a recruiter in the cyber threat as well as the security sphere. I know he will be able to explain it much better himself. Mac, thank you for coming. You're very welcome. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Interesting background. How did you end up where you are today? Like, how does that? Um, it's a bit interesting, right? It's a bit yeah, different. no, sure. <laughs> no, it is. Um, how did I end up where I am today? So I joined the military in 2009, and I joined an infantry battalion, and 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 that joining was. Off the back of, oh, I was a welder before before I, before I joined the army, and I, I just thought this can't be life. And and there's obviously nothing wrong with being a welder, but I needed a little bit more excitement. So uh, I joined the military, and I spent five five years in, in the infantry, doing some really some really good stuff. Did a little bit in, in in Afghanistan, and when you're in the military, you get. Um, you get these briefs from various different organisations like the SAS and SBS, SRR, um, and and the the one that I ended up joining was was uh, the Defence Human Unit, which is known as Op Samson. Uh, and the reason for that was because m- most, well, all you know, significant operations are intelligence led, right? And 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 it just really piqued my interest in in how that works. So when you know the, the the guys from Hereford or, or Paul are going into to, to do their their strike ops. How? What's the the story behind the scenes? How did they get to, to to that point? And how? You know how do they? How do they find out what to do, where to go? You know what the buildings are, all that sort of stuff. So the the, the stuff behind before they go in the operations, and 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 that's what you know DHU do. We we were more focused on human intelligence so the the job title was agent handler so um, running covert human intelligence sources uh, and and then producing a human report off the back of that and uh, you know and that would go to to various different customers and and I did that for about seven years in in various different locations and I got to my 12-year point I'd just come off a, a, a very successful operation in, in in the middle east and i was there for about eight months because of covid we could we couldn't get back and i thought it was just time i ended on a high i always knew that i wanted to get into recruitment and that was before i deployed on my last on my last tour and just because it's a people people's industry so when you you're you know and, it, and i think it matches really well with you know, I was an agent handler. I was building rapport with people, managing relationships, and and it's very similar, in in a in a in a very strange way. But you know, you're you're having to, you know, build relationships with people here um, at Trident Search, whether that be a client base or whether that will be candidates that that are looking for roles. And so that's where I thought my skill set's probably going to lie. And funnily enough, I wanted to complete scrub of my military career and anything military so I actually went into private equity recruitment um, and I did that for about a year and a half did I enjoy it for the most part yes but I missed being in that in that domain in in the intelligence domain now I didn't want to go back into intelligence 
So I thought, well, where can I, where can I use my skill set and still sort of dip my toe in the water in the intelligence game? And and that's when I reached out to to Josh. He's a, our, our co-founder at, at Trident Search, and obviously he was interested in 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 my background. And you know, I joined them back in May, and now I'm sort of the UK, head of UK sort of threat intelligence for for Trident Search and placing people within either cyber threat intelligence or you know your conventional sense so you know your open source intelligence roles it could be people that are you know that are on the dark web or it could be people that are tracking cyber criminals or or, or state backed you know like your black cats or, or or whoever so that that that's where I've ended up today and and part of the part of my role is is to um is to connect veterans and I naturally have that network through 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 being at DHU and, and in the military. So that, that's why that's where I'm that's where I'm at now. Yeah, well, interesting journey, man. I mean, you went actually from a recruiter to a recruiter. Yes, you know, so it's it's not a it's not that crazy of a step. Uh, no, no, you're right. I'm I'm surprised that there's not more guys and girls doing. Yeah, that. so I I, I did. I did. I mean, I've had to do a little bit of digging because I, I, I put a post out on LinkedIn not too long ago saying, you know, I don't think there's another recruiter that's actually lived and breathed the intelligence game who understands it like like I do. And I'm hoping there's not because that would <laughs> that, that, have been a bit embarrassing for me. But um, no, I don't think there is, actually. I, I don't. And, and actually, it, it's... It has gained a little bit of traction, and it holds a, it holds the credibility really that you know I'm I'm not just pretending that I understand. I actually do understand. I understand what what makes a good intelligence professional, and you know, so yeah, it, it works extremely well. Yeah, no, I think um, I th- I think it's incredibly important that you do this work, really, because I spoke to a friend a couple of months ago, and uh, he was let's say between jobs and he's, he's a bit of a madman so he was like i want to do something where i get a little bit of exercise so he decided to become a postman <laughs> for royal mail and uh and um he told me i said that there is a colleague of mine and he told me the background of the colleague from military military intelligence and like incredibly impressive uh background and and i was like hey why on earth is that person working at Royal Mail? That there's plenty of opportunities, but this person felt that, well, where, you know, I have kids, you know, bills to pay, and how do I even do that, right? And I think having somebody like yourself is, is you know, if if that person had somebody like you to talk to, I think there would be a very different situation. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think it's having exposure. In, in the military and to, and the exposure on the outside. But be, before I joined Trident and, and I was doing my research on, on the private sector, I wasn't aware that it was so big. You know, there, there are some fantastic firms out there doing some really great work um, it, within the private sector. And I just don't think that's highlighted enough within the military that, that gives people, you know, an insight into what's actually out there. You know, especially people that have that, that are intelligence core through and through. There is an, an abundance of work, and their skill set is sought after in the private market. And you know, even guys that um, that that weren't traditionally in core, 
you know, this is in the conventional sense and, you know, the CTI space that guys that, that have been at sort of like 299, uh, the signals regiment and all of that sort of stuff. But in the conventional sense, you know, people that have been at DHU for, for long periods of time, but maybe started life like I did, maybe in the infantry or, you know, something like that, that there's still work out there for them. Um, but but again, it's it's just having the exposure to to what's in the private market, and that that's what I'm really trying to to do at the moment. I've just started a a threat intelligence club, uh, a closed group on on LinkedIn. I'll have to I'll add you at yeah, please. when we finish this. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and it's just it's just highlighting to people that that actually there's there, there's a lot of work out here for 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 X mil in cyber and the conventional sense, and the skill sets are really sought after. It is slightly different in the in in cyber threat intelligence than it is in conventional where you know someone who's in core who knows open source intelligence like the back of their hand that, that there's a direct correlation to 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 moving into the private sector and that skill set is 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 matched so they can sort of make a very smooth transition whereas if someone's not really done cyber threat intelligence but they've done open source they they'd probably still need to go and do their qualifications and, and understand the cyber domain a, a, a little bit more are there like opportunities to like upscale for particularly veterans that maybe people don't know about? I, I always the, the the go-to in sort of cyber is is you know go and look at your your crest qualifications. Um, so so crest are you know sort of the leading accreditation within within cyber. So um, and there's some beginners there's some beginner courses on there that that that's that always stands well with. When it's on your CV and you're putting it out to clients, so that they'll take a look. Um, and, and there's, um, yeah, I'm doing a bit of plug in here. Um, yeah, so, no, oh, no, that's... so um, the, 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 there's um, Stu Bertram at Arkex. They do some really good courses. They are doing some some amazing work. Um, I think they're, they're, they're relatively new, but their courses. I've done a couple of their courses, and um, I find them very very useful. Because that's something that. I think one of the main questions that I get messages, I mean, we've talked about this um, outside of the podcast, but a lot of questions come in from people, not just military, but also like conventional intelligence uh, professionals that uh, say, okay, where from here? And we did a podcast. Actually, I did a podcast a couple of days ago, so that will come out soon. But where the person talked about the, or we talked about the lack of, advertisement what the role is right calling it everything but intelligence or everything <laughs> yeah. but you know yeah no yeah <laughs> you know? i totally agree uh I because totally it's agree. it's it has such you know and and this person works like in the humanitarian sector but with, it's even more sensitive but i think from a corporate sector it would help if the communication was a bit like how roles are advertised are more yeah, in yeah. line where people can yeah, understand. Yeah, no, absolutely. Call, call a spade a spade. If if it's intelligent, if it's intelligence people you need, and then 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 call it that. But no, I no, I, I get it. Um, but but there is there's various different forms now, isn't there? Of not forms of intelligence, but you know you can get your corporate investigations, due diligence, pre-transactional stuff where people are using the their their Aussie skill set to maybe investigate a certain individual or or a certain company. I, I know people do it for private equity firms and hedge funds where they yeah that they'll use their open source intelligence skills to 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 do a little bit of digging on maybe a a um a limited partner that's maybe looking to invest into a private equity um fund or 
or, or, or if the PE fund are looking to do an acquisition, okay, well, let, let's have a look at some of the people that are working at the firm that they want to acquire. And, and then you've got your threat intelligence. So, you know, what, what, what me and you would be more sort of used to in, you know, your physical sort of security if we're going to invest in. I, I think I spoke to someone the other day, actually, um, and, you, you know, the rebuild of Ukraine and, and you know, pe- people fail to, not fail to understand, but may, maybe don't fully understand that, that are not in the intelligence game that Western Ukraine's okay. Um, you know, it's it's the East, it's the East of Ukraine that, that's that's been getting smashed so you know people that want to invest in ukraine will still want to have their do their investigative work to 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 see if that investment's viable and is it going to be viable you know but yeah so that's some of the stuff that 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 we do as well that's super interesting because again this is I'm, i'm so happy that you said that because it ties in with the last podcast that i recorded where we talked about the opportunities intelligence can create for companies that that always look for intelligence maybe as you know uh, reactive or, or from a threat perspective and not from hey is there opportunity because we don't know about it so i i think ukraine is a perfect example that was talked about for example energy infrastructure uh, needs investment and i think for a company a big companies uh, i think there's huge opportunities there where, where risk can be mitigated. Do you see a growth in, in, in that uh, domain? Yeah, so intelligence functions in, in, in large firms always have to prove their worth, okay? And and I suppose it's, I mean, because of the background, I think it's paramount that you have a, a an intelligence function within your firm, whether that is, you, you know, threat intelligence where you're, you're providing information or intelligence on what's happening on the ground in a certain area or you know if or if you're doing a, 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 an intelligence summary um on on a certain area but um people are are more reactive still than than they are proactive and and what what we certainly see is if nothing happens so it's maybe in the cyber domain if a firm hasn't been hasn't come under attack or 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 you know everything's going fine they're like, well, why do we need these intelligence guys? Well, well, well actually, well, because they're informing you of people that are targeting your firm or what part of your firm. So you, then you're putting things in place to to stop that happening. So that's why it's not happened. It's almost like they need something to happen to justify, um, you, you know, the team being there. And and that's what I think some people, uh, some firms that, that, that look at it that way, like, well, nothing's happened to us. So why have we got the intelligence function? Well, you've that's why nothing's happens because you've got the intelligence function. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the left of boom, right of boom conundrum, right? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And um, so, I, yeah, I, I've I've seen that, and it's very difficult. I, I made a foray into into cyber threat. Actually, I set up a company, which I closed down again uh, not so long ago because I felt I could do it with great dynamics, and it was just not uh, it was just too much work for what it was but we were like focusing mainly on ultra high net worth individuals and and, and VIPs and and do and then monitoring like 24/7 their digital footprint and yeah we got some really good clients out of that and but I was doing it all pretty much by myself and um, that was uh yeah that was difficult so and I understood like intelligence around irregular warfare and and this type of stuff much better so I was like, you know what? I will just combine the two. 
you know, and then I stopped chasing cyber clients. But to circle back a little bit, can you talk a little bit about your time in the infantry and and how your transition into intelligence came about? Was that a yeah. natural one or? No, it, it really wasn't a natural one. And I think, you know, some of the listeners will, will agree that have, that have been in the military and, and have been around infantry soldiers going from an infantry mindset into a intelligence mindset was very, very different. So, yeah, so uh, my time in the infantry, uh, it was really fun. Enjoyed it every minute of it. We we did it did a, a few bits in Afghanistan. Nothing really to to sort of write home about there. And then I went on selection for for DHU in 2015 and was successful. And I think out of the 25 that were on our course, I think six of us were were successful. So it's quite a high attrition rate um, with with the, the with DHU, but the, the struggle, the, the transition, had to happen pretty quickly, and, and and you have to grow up very quickly. Well, in the infantry, you know, it's sort of Peter Pan syndrome. You can be thirty five years old, but you're still gonna you're still gonna be you know around guys that that are a bit younger, and and that's just the way that it is. Um, as you climb the ranks in the infantry, you you do tend to grow up, but you know, I was a corporal at the time. I was 20, I think I was 29. And did I get pulled up for not behaviour, some of my, probably my language um, during the course and, you know, maybe sort of my attitude a little bit to, to, towards the course. And and that was a shock. And I really had to, really had to just sort of knuckle down and think, okay, the, the, it's sort of big boys rules here. It's, you know, and it's, so yeah, the, the transition wasn't, wasn't hard it wasn't easy but there was a transition that I I had to make you know I was I remember being pulled into the office of of the OC and them saying that you know because you're watched every single minute of the day when you're in that building on on camera um, and there are people watching they're monitoring your behavior and and, and what you're like there was times where I was pulled and be like you you know if you're if you're if you're going to be in this game you need to to really I don't want to say grow up because that's probably a little bit too harsh, but certainly, you know, get your act together a little bit, you know, because once this course is passed and, you know, you're going to go out the door, you're going to be, there's a lot of autonomy at DHU where you're trusted to, you know, do things by yourself, you know, to the, to the high standard. So yeah, there was certainly a transition there. So yeah, I, I, I passed that and, and I, I think, you know, like it, like any other unit, you go through through cycles. So we sort of went on to pre-deployment training, which was various different. It had various different aspects to it, and then found out where I was where where I was heading, and I, I went on a it was about seven month seven month tour, my first human tour as a as a human operator, and by far the most stressful thing I've ever done. That was it. It was at the height of I was focused on on dash. Uh, and at that time in 2017, although they were falling in 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 certain areas, in other areas they were they were still pretty well. No, they were they were very 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 rampant. So the reporting was thick and fast. So I, I was running, I was running a few covert human intelligence sources, and you could be in a meeting or or on the phone to them for for sometimes up to six seven hours you know debriefing 
you know debriefing the, the information from them and then that has to be all then compiled into intelligence reports so we we were looking at you know some 18 19 hour days for for, for 60 for, for, for six months at a time pushing out reports you know if we had to go out and sort of meet a a, a, a chiz then then that sort of shuts the whole team out because we have to then go out and conduct trade craft to go to go and meet meet the source and then you're playing catch up so it, it was it was a it was probably the most stressful time I've had in my life but I'll caveat that with the most exciting with some of the work we were doing, some of the individuals that I was talking to and, and some of the individuals that we were reporting on was was mind-blowing. I'd gone from a, an infantry section commander running around the Brecon Beacons to sat in an intelligence, you know, unit reporting on some really, some some pretty big hitters um, within Dash. So, so it was all exciting stuff. And if you look back on it now, if there are any guys or girls that are interested in making the step that you made, what advice would you give them? I mean, I don't know what it's like now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, but but do it absolutely. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I was I was well. I was on. I, I did a year and a half in in DHU's recruiting team. Well, it was recruitment team sort of. We'd go around either delivering the unit's capability to the wider defence because we're not, we we're very small, very very small unit. So we'd either go around and deliver the unit's capability to, to wider defence, or we'd go around and, and and do sort of a recruitment drive. So I'd I'd go to different locations around the UK, whether that be RAF, Navy, Army, and and deliver that recruitment brief and and try and get people to come on board. It has been single handedly the best thing that I've ever done in my life so far. Obviously, bar Trident now, but it's. And it does set you up for, for 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 success outside of of the military. Would I have got my my role at the private equity recruitment firm without being in DHU? Absolutely not. They were very interested in my background. They were interested that I'd done recruitment in a different sense. That I was able to to understand and and, and debrief people. So. It, it, it does set you up. So, you know, if anyone is listening, go and do it. it it's some of the stuff that, that DHU do, you'll never know until you're doing it. Um, you know, some of the, the people that they work alongside, you, you, you'll you never know until you're actually in the unit and, and, and doing it for yourself. It's, it, the stuff is just not common knowledge. Yeah, for sure. This is a, a question that I get often. I answer it in different ways, but I think it's very, I think it's particularly difficult in the type of roles that yourself have done. When a company comes to you for a job or you apply somewhere, how do you go about references and proving that you were in this organization because it's often classified? Yeah, I mean, being in the organization isn't classified. So, so that we, what what we did, and even some of that isn't classified. I can say that yes, I was a uh, an agent handler at the Defence Human Unit. I think when you start sort of going into locations, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and and talk how we did trade craft or, or or anything like that. So being in the organisation, no, is is isn't classified. So just my my line managers, folks. So my references would be be my my line manager, because P yes, people are people are interested, but no hiring managers 
are they interested in where I've been and what I've done? Probably not. They just want to see what do, what 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 transferable skills have I got to their business that can help them make that can help them make money. And and it, it sounds harsh, but a lot of people, if they're not on like a veteran program or they don't understand, a lot of people don't care that you've been in the military. That they, they want to know. Okay, you've been in the military. That's great. But what skills have you got that can benefit my business? And and that's 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 just the way it is, unfortunately. For, for not not for everybody, and I will caveat that that not for everybody because there are some, you know, really good firms out there that support the veteran program. You know, some big organisations that do. But but then there's others that don't. And, and and I think it's rightly so. You know, what skill set can you bring to this business that's going to help this 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 business grow? It's business at the end of the day. True, very true. You make the step from. THU, and then you go into the private equity. Yeah. Right? So yeah. what was that like? Tough. Really, really tough. Because I left THU on, fr- on, on I can't remember the exact day, but it was a, a Friday, and I started with this firm on the Monday. So I had two days. So, you know, leaving the military in itself is a, is a massive thing, um, and probably I underestimated just how big. It was really tough. Trying to understand finance, the private markets, understanding private equity, understanding people's backgrounds because they're very different to mine. I mean, I grew up on a council estate in in Leicester. A lot of these people have either gone to Oxford or Cambridge, and you know have, have had very different starts to life than I did. But you know, I suppose that that helps with you know my past. You can just sort of not relate, but you can at least pretend that you can relate to. To, to, to these people but I couldn't in the end uh, you know I had a great team and and they taught me they taught me how to re- recruit in 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 this sense um so I, I can't take that away from them that you know the standards that they they were they were extremely high but I just wasn't happy they they just they weren't my type of people to to mix with and engage with. You know, I wouldn't go out on the socials with with them, and and, and I think that's fair. You, you you know, you're allowed to. I think you're allowed to say, okay, these are not my type of people. Moving forward to now, tried and search where they are 100% my my type of people, and the culture that Josh and Charlie have built at Trident is 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 second to none. I don't think I don't think anyone could build a, a better culture. If I'm completely honest. Culture is very important, isn't it? Huge. It is paramount. Yeah. I think especially with... It, it's important for everyone, but I think especially a veteran who's who's been accustomed to a certain culture for a long time. And, and a lot of people in the military don't... I mean, from my... This my just my perspective. They don't want to leave the military because they, they hate the life. Well, not hate the life, but, you know, it, it's because they want stability. They don't want to go away anymore. They want to settle down. They want to... You know, it's not because of the people around them, you know, a lot of the time, because it's fun. It's, it's great. It's a great place to be. So having this culture here at, at Trident Search is, is, is been, a, a, you know, a breath of fresh air. I'm, I'm in civilian employment. You know, I'm in a great job with a great culture and with, with great flexibility. You know, I couldn't have, I can't, I couldn't have asked for anything, anything better, really. So culture is, is certainly important for, for the veteran community as well if you can have if you can move into civilian employment and sort of maintain some sort of culture that you're accustomed to over you know how many years you serve then you're on to i think you're on to a winner when do you decide 
obviously there's definitely going to be a culture change from the military into the private sector. Yeah. When when do you decide that I need to change or or when when what's the barrier to I need to change towards I will never fit in, I need to find something else. Sure. When is that uh, point? I, yeah, so w- when you become extremely unhappy because I went Fair from enough. from DHU to 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 the to private equity recruitment and I knew that I couldn't be that person that I was in the military absolutely not because it's the culture's just it you know and and that's from probably the way you talk the way you know some of the jokes that you'd be happy to share in the military but you categorically not going to share that in the office at work so you do have to I had to change a lot or, or actually it was sort of putting a mask on for the day whilst I was at work and and that's what made me extremely unhappy that I just couldn't be I'm not saying you have to be yourself at work you certainly have to be a polished version of yourself but it's nice to be able to be yourself I just couldn't do that at, in the private equity firm that I was at it was like wearing a mask during the day and then at home just having that that sort of release I, I, I was paid extremely well there just wasn't it wasn't worth it we, we all ended on great terms they recognized that I was unhappy I you know I sort of said yes I I I am and you know we, we parted ways on on great terms okay but that's good then you know that you were able to to make that uh, to make that change and you know bridges were burned there's something that I don't think we've talked about on a podcast before but I think since I'm talking to you I think you can give us a good perspective on this. In the news, we've seen a lot of uh, people that were either in the military uh, or in civilian intelligence agencies that then go, you know, to the Middle East or to the Far East, right, to do contracting work, maybe similar work that they were doing when they were in in, in their government roles. And we've seen a lot of backlash in, in, in in the media. First of all, What's your opinion on that move? And secondly, uh, what advice would you give for people that that are contemplating? Because obviously, there's also money aspect in in, in this. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, the, the honest answer there is is I, I I wouldn't like to give any advice on that. I don't I don't I don't, I don't really know. Uh, you know, people's motivations are are different, aren't they? It could be the financial. You know, the military aren't. That they're not paid very well, and and I think the security services aren't paid very well either, um, especially for the, for some of the work that they do. So people's motivations are different. Whether they want to do it for financial gain, because I know the private sector doing contract work, you can earn a lot of money. So yeah, it's something that I wouldn't wouldn't really like to have a, a, an opinion on. Really, it's um, you know people's motivations are are, are are different as to why they'd want to do that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. Okay. No, I mean, I think it's very difficult to navigate, and 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 I agree with you to each their own. But, yeah, uh, absolutely. Obviously, there are like I I cannot imagine if you're leaving government, then you would go maybe work for a government that's let's say adversarial, you know, to uh, to your own. I think that's very risky to do that, and but yeah, that's. That's my opinion. I'm not going to push that on you. So in your current role, where you're speaking to a lot of people that are leaving either government roles uh, or or non-government roles, 
how do you feel you should prepare yourself to to make that transition outside of maybe courses but as you said culture changes and these type yeah. of things yeah uh, I, I don't think you can prepare so so this is where we come in actually and we match people not only on skill set but we match up on culture you know i could speak to someone who looks fantastic on paper but then i think he wouldn't fit in that firm he wouldn't fit with a he wouldn't fit with a culture so that's part of our job is you know when a client's asking us to find people they're not just asking us to find these people on paper that they've got this qualification that qualification you know it goes a little bit deeper than that it, you know it's it can be this is our culture we need someone to really be able to fit in and you know a lot of first round interviews are on fit they, they don't go straight into a technical round it's you know tell me a little bit about you tell me a little bit about yourself what you've done so your first rounds are usually a, a fit interview so yeah we play a big part in matching people with the right culture now i think when you're moving from an intelligence firm from government or military if you're sort of staying in the same line of work most people there have come from your background anyway not all but but most so the the culture is already there or or maybe maybe a little bit more corporate or maybe a little bit more pc but but that's just the way that the way that it has to be so yeah nine times out of ten the culture is going to be relatively the same and, and and you know the security services have exposure to military and military have exposures exposure to the, the the security services so people know what type of people come from the security services and and, and from the military so you know there, there's certainly no shock there if if someone from um security services went into a firm that was predominantly military because they've, they've probably had exposure to the military anyway and they 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 understand the culture and, and, and vice versa i wanted to take a step back and something that we talk about this podcast a lot, we, we've, we've already spoken a lot about transitioning. What advice would you give for somebody who is just leaving school or maybe is a welder? You know? It is a good question. What advice would I give? It, it's, it's genuinely tough. So I joined the infantry. I didn't really know much about the military at all. But I joined the infantry because I wanted to to, to do... I wanted to be a soldier and and that's what I wanted to be. I didn't want to go in as a as an engineer or anything like that. But to be honest, I didn't really know that they existed in in the, in the military before I joined. Um and it was my recruitment sergeant when before it was taken over by is it Capitan now who were doing the recruitment? I don't know, but they was like, "Yes, infantry." I was like, "Yep, yeah, that that would work for me." So what advice would I give? Do your research really on what it is that you want to do and where it can benefit you when you eventually leave. The the military is stripping away a lot of benefits. One being when they change the pensions. Would, would I have been, would I have stayed in the military if my pension was the same as the old pension? Probably. But it, it hadn't. The, I don't feel that there's no real benefits to stay in long term anymore because you don't get your pension until pension age. So you can spend 22 years in the military and then still go have to find you know another job at 40 42 years old 45 years old i mean you'll find work but i just think it's that that's it that's an even harder transition to make right so advice is 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 do your research on what it is that you want to be if i had my time again and you know some of some of the listeners because i know a few friends will listen to this podcast i'd have probably joined the ink corps and, and gone through you know your traditional intelligence route 
wouldn't have changed DHU for the world. I'd have still gone, 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 gone for DHU. But I'll carry out with. I was I'm happy with how my career went and and what I did. But yeah, I think um, intelligence corps or or, or a signals regiment, you know, two nine nine, someone like that, that that are quite sought after after the military. Well, I suppose it's like um the guys from Hereford or, or, or Paul, they're always going to be sought after. They're never going to struggle for work because, you know, they're, they're, they've been operating in the, the two most prestigious units in the world. So, um, you know, just I, I'd always look forward to what happens when I get out and where do I want to be? Um, and I, I know people don't think that far, but always have that plan ahead because there's not really much going on for the, certainly in the army, there's not an awful lot going on anymore. You know, when, when when Afghanistan was closed down and you know Iraq finished and then Afghanistan finished, you know what what else is there? What else is there to do? Training other other nations, which is great, it's fantastic. But you know, other than going into Hereford or 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 Paul, you're not really going to get much operational output. Yeah, fair enough. I think uh, a lot of young people, I know that, listen to this podcast and they wonder how do I get into intelligence. Right, and there's so many paths, and I think the best listened episodes are the ones where we put all the advices on how to get into intelligence together, right? And it's interesting because one of the areas I recommend to some of our interns and and young analysts that are kind of like orientating themselves, either ones that are going into government or the ones that maybe are in government and looking for something, I always talk about cyber because it's such a sought-after area and the salaries are generally a lot better than if you were just a bog-standard intelligence analyst. And I don't think the the barrier of entry is as high as people think. I think it's... Uh, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, no. Um, no, it's, I mean, there's various different routes, really, isn't there? You, you join the military and go down go down that route, or you can directly apply for, for the security services. I think for... I think you... You may need a degree for to to, to join. I, I know certainly SIS. You you need a degree to to join them, and maybe Thames House as well. Or you you go into you know if you've come from a research background uh, and that you've got your your open source intelligence skill set. You've done the courses. You know what you're doing, and and you and you go from from university into a company as a as a grad, uh, and then you you build up from there. So there's yeah the, the, there's various different routes. I think the most sought after because of the work that that people do are either ex security services or 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 ex military intelligence, um, just because of the exposure that you've had. And again, I, I know I keep caveating. I think the military can be quite far behind in some of the stuff that they, some of the products that they use, the some of the tools that they use. And you know, I think the private markets are certainly a step ahead of some of the tools that they're using. But but yeah, you know, I, I think the most sought after people would be someone who's gone through security services or, or or military. I haven't asked this question often because I think it would be a very difficult question to answer. But since you're a recruiter, I think I can get a, um, a good <laughs> answer from you. Could you? And I, and I know you have to caveat this, but could you paint a picture what like salary would look like if somebody went into from a junior, media, a more senior role, could you give like ranges? Yeah, in, in... absolutely. So your 
if we talk conventional intelligence first and foremost, and again, there, there, there's different streams to this because if you're a grad and you're you you either come from a research background uh, and you're going into an open source intelligence role at say a threat intelligence provider for your first year you're probably looking at about 35,000 and that's London you know anywhere out of London you're looking at about 30k for your first year and and that 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 would probably move up after a year a year and a bit to maybe between the 35 and 40 and then if you you you're and again this is dependent on the size of the firm and you know for different firms pay different the, the a senior open source intelligence analyst can look to get paid between 50 and and 60k but then again i've seen intelligence managers that you know manage the whole you know manage a team team of analysts that are also on 60k um so again it just depends on the firm but in cyber cyber pays more you know your first you, you know one to three years probably looking at between 40 45 maybe 40 and 50 for your, for your first year but that moves up pretty quickly you know, for a, you know, three years plus maybe up to 60. And then you start getting into sort of intelligence manager between 70 and 90. And that, that quickly creeps up as you go in. So cyber pays more than, than, than conventional intelligence, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it's the, where's the demand lies, right? Um, well, exactly. Uh, exactly that. Right. Because I've had young analysts that leave us that went into jobs that paid close to 70. But that's a complete outlier because they went in the financial services industry, right? You know, so so it, it obviously depends on... on uh, but I think, yeah, this is very... This is kind of what I was expecting, actually, what you said. So it's not a surprise. Yeah, like, you know, if you're, go, if you're going into the, a financial institution, then you're going to get paid a, you're going to get paid a lot more. But, but then I have these conversations all, all the time. And one of my questions to all my candidate is, where do you best suit? You know, where do you where do where do you suit? Would you work for a large large organization, or do you want to work for a small medium enterprise where maybe you're going to have a little bit more impact on the business? Um, you know, but you're not going to be paid as much. So it, 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 you have to really weigh outweigh it. I mean, I know that I'd I'd prefer a small medium enterprise where I'm going to have an impact on the business rather than going into a large organization just because they pay a bit more. Um, you know, but that's just that's just that's just me. As an owner of a small, medium-sized business, I agree to that. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of I'm kind of biased. But um, no, I've tried. Obviously, I've tried. Uh, I work for big organizations, and as you said, culture. The first conversation I I had about understanding PC culture, like I didn't understand. Like outside of that circle that I was in, it was a bit bizarre, for, especially working with humanitarian sector and. You know that research. I was having conversations about you know, gender and and these type of things, and I, and I didn't understand really. I thought you know how we interview somebody on the ground that's a woman is obviously different how we would interview or we would align with doing, doing something in a country in Africa. We would rather have a woman interviewing a woman. These type of things, and I was told you know gender is much more than just men and women, and I didn't know what that meant. And it's not because, you know, I'm some sort of barbarian. It's just I I didn't know what that meant. So this person had to explain to me, hey, there's much more that comes with this one. 
I didn't think for the work that I was doing it was important, but they thought. So at the end of the day, the client decides, you know, what's important and what's not. And uh, and I had to, well, I didn't, uh, I I I didn't take the contract because it didn't really fit with what we do. But uh, I I got a bit of a reality check, like how how different institutions, you know, look at these things, and and I felt like oh, I would have to maybe walk on eggshells, um, you know which I think you alluded to in, in the work that you were doing. I wanted to to ask you, I mean, you give a, like, I think you gave so much good advice. Do you have any questions for me? No, I, I, no, I mean, I've, I've followed your work since, I can't remember when we first, when I first thought, reached out. Um, Earlier this year, I think. It, yeah, it was early yeah. this year. And, you know, I think the work that you're certainly doing, I see it all the time, is, 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 um, is fantastic. And I, and I think... I don't know. Marcus will be. Marcus will certainly listen to this this podcast. <laughs> you, the, the reach that, that that you have into, you know, certainly and hopefully it gets a little bit bigger, especially in the, with with the the DHU guys. I think they they're going to be mega interested in in the work that that you do. But where, where do you see where do you see Grey Dynamics in two three years? What a question. But I was prepared for this question. No, I was. <laughs> uh, but I have an. I, I think you have to have an idea if you if you're running an organization where you want to go. So I think in two to three years, when it comes to intelligence education, particularly between like people going to university or going into the security services or military, there's always this gap of how do I match and and what do I understand. And I think when it comes to like delivering intelligence education, particularly online and and making it more accessible, in two to three years, I I want us to be the biggest player doing that. That's something that I've been dreaming about for years of doing. People have been asking me for years, like how do I get into this and how do I demystify these roles? I think you're a perfect example of, of people that are doing that that are making it uh, visible and and more accessible and i think that's something we want to do and i think i want to create and i think we we are on our way but i want to create a more a large community for intelligence professionals an international one nothing uh, with like sensitive or where we share sources and methods of these type of things but where if you're looking for to work with somebody in let's say Nigeria or you know Japan that you can find like-minded individuals. Yeah, we we, we do a similar thing at, at Trident. We we have the Waterloo Cyber Club, and that's just it's a networking event. There's no sales. There's no. It's just like-minded people getting together and have and and you know and and just sharing thoughts. Uh, and if anything comes off the back of it, it's fine. I, I'm and and you you'll get an invite as well, Ackman. If you if you can make it over to the UK in spring, I'll be putting on a threat intelligence um, networking. Come networking night and again there'll be some guest speakers and yeah you know food and and drinks on trident i hope <laughs> um so yeah no but yeah it's all about creating creating the community you know and that's what i'm trying to do with the threat intelligence club on on linkedin is it's not about you know sales or or you know it's genuinely let's just share some knowledge on the in in the industry and let's create a community where we can just all talk together about experiences Uh, you know if new people are coming in what was your path to getting into into cyber threat intelligence or threat intelligence 
you know, just a, a secure community with like-minded people just being able to talk what they want to talk about, um, whether that would be their experiences in work, whether they're, you know, their career path or or what they're trying to achieve. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's going pretty well at the moment. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think you're, again, you're doing a brilliant job of that. And what I see, obviously, when I look at people that sign up or that email me, there's such a huge amount of people that that has grown up on Western movies and, and culture. And they they want to do intelligence, but in their country, there is no community, right? So we are lucky that the UK and obviously the US is massive. But make the, make the jump over to continental Europe, there's no real community in there either, you know? So uh, where, you know, like I'm Dutch, but where everything is so like closed off and you know it's secrecy for the sake of secrecy and not you know to protect anything right so to make to make more of uh, an effort to get people access to these like talented people access to to work and opportunities i think that's something that uh that, I, that i'm hoping to do i think so, a friend of mine who's been on the podcast uh, skip Schiphorst, he does uh, Chinese OSINT. Uh, he does a lot on LinkedIn, great guy. And uh, finally, we got to meet this year in Stockholm. And he does, out of his own pocket, actually, I didn't know he, he did this, but he does trainings that he basically takes a gamble on and he goes to, you know, Far East and, and Southeast Asia. And so, like, expanding. And I, we have a lot of friends, colleagues, and, and listeners to the podcast that are Aussies or Kiwis that are like, hey, what about us? You know, because there's no real, <laughs> you know, there's nothing really like, how, how do we do it? So so yeah. we, we, we're doing our best with them too. And so I think that's something like, especially online, that's an area that really I want to grow. And I think offline, we're doing a pretty good job. We, we always want to grow, but where we are now offline first and, and like online is a bit of like a secondary, I want to switch that. That's, that's where I see ourselves uh, in two to three years. Lastly, I wanted to ask you, what are you listening to? What are you reading? Any cultural recommendations you can give? Uh, it doesn't what, have what to be do Intel-related. No, it's not. A mind. At the minute, I was reading more salesy type books, actually, at the moment, Great. just to <laughs> you know brush up on them sort of skills. And it made a change from, because I, w- I went heavily into private equity in the private markets and geez i i i i read a lot on private equity um so now just sort of brushing upon sort of sales techniques and and all of that sort of stuff um so all salesy books podcasts the, the, the i touched yours with was it the sb guy guy that you are uh, pasha pasha, pasha yeah yeah it was yeah. good really enjoyed that and then yeah that, that's it really i i i, I always try and stay on top of the the the, the cyber stuff and um, because it's ever changing so again Arkex they they run a three cyber threat intelligence 101 course which you know I was I was doing there so yeah I read little bits of of stuff all the, all the time you know but 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 my main my main reading at the moment is 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 sales and um, can, can how you to give get like a, some titles 
of books. Uh, that, well, I think so. It, it's called Getting More, and I, I can't remember the author now. And I'm I'm not in my house to to, to get the book. Yeah, it was Getting More, and then there was Jordan Belfort's um, book as well, which I, I know it's a, a little bit cliche, but actually, it's 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 really good. Hey, it's it really works. Good. It, it works exactly that. Is it uh, getting more how you can negotiate to succeed in work? Oh, that I think that, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. If if I can give, because I've been, I read some of that stuff too. Um, I think if you run a business, you kind of have to. But the two ones that have been the most impactful that I read recently is Never Split the Difference. Uh, it's about negotiating, so, uh, written by a former FBI hostage negotiator. It's really, for every anybody listening, it's an awesome book. And I was able to, I read it now twice. Uh, I was I was able to implement the techniques in negotiations already. And it had immediate impact for me. So, re- yeah, that's, that's a big one. And the other one, I think for anybody that's working in cyber, in, in intelligence, anywhere where you're writing and you're writing online, it's another book called, I think it's called The Art and Business of Writing Online by Nicholas Cole. Yeah, another amazing one. So those are the, the ones that I read recently. Yeah, I, I like a, a good, I, uh, you know, people learn in different ways. Um, and I'm a, a massive believer in this. And it, well, it's proven, isn't it, that, you know, you, you get people that I can't sit there and look at a PowerPoint and, and take in all that information I, I have to do or, or, I have to be doing it to be able to learn or 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 watch something and 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 one thing that really got me up to speed with the Middle East and and it was called Losing Iraq on PBS I watched that over and over again and maybe it could be a little bit biased but it it gave such a good insight into actually why did Iraq go the way that it did you know and then I hope you haven't got any American friends listening but you know um, you know, with with Bremer um, taking over the going into Iraq and and sort of failing there, and but yeah, it's uh, losing Iraq on PBS is is probably one of the best sort of all informed what happened to to Iraq in in a short space of time. It's only seventy five percent of the re- uh, listeners that are American, so <laughs> probably it's fine. <laughs> uh, so no, but I mean, I think that's a widely held belief or uh, opinion about Bremer. So I don't think uh, you should pull punches there. But um, <laughs> any any final thoughts from you? No, I, I think um, if any of your listeners do want to do want to chat, please re- reach out. You know, it's, it's not all, it, it genuinely isn't. We're, we're trying to change the face of, of how recruitment is really because I know there's a lot of recruiters that have a bad press. Okay, and it's about money, and it, and it's and it, it's about money, and it and it's about you know that that sort of recruiter lifestyle, and that's just not what we're about here at, at Trident. We genuinely want to help people, you know. So if it's just a call for a bit of advice, reach out. You know, if you're not even even thinking about leaving the military yet, reach out. Let's have a chat. You know, my my priority really is 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 helping people and, and, and just giving them the exposure that they're potentially not get, getting elsewhere and giving them a bit of an understanding of of there's a lot of work out there for, for certainly intelligence professionals or threat intelligence professionals. So even if it's a call to be like, I'm working at this place, I'm being paid this, 
am I being underpaid? And I'll I'll give you a I'll give you an honest uh, an honest answer. So yeah, I like that. No, and I can attest that you do really because I know some of the people you've placed, and yeah, truly, I think how how we have spoken and and our conversations uh, for the people listening, Mac really is the real deal. So uh, yeah, please reach. We will put all your we will put the, your information in the in the chat. And I'll be sending some people your way. We, we already talked about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you so much for coming on. This was really awesome. Uh, really, I, I I think you gave so many gold nuggets. I kept writing notes and timestamps on when, when you said what you said. So really appreciate that. And for the people listening, if you guys made it this far, please you know give us uh, some feedback on what you think of the podcast I don't really ask that much but I was told by the producer to ask you guys what you think and give us feedback so we can improve and yeah see you guys next week thank you cheers thank you very much thank you